What's going on, everybody? I'm your host, Thomas Robertson, and this is Outside the Glass, episode 14. I'm with my co-host, Katie Harper, and we have a very exciting slate of topics for you today on this Friday afternoon. Uh, So we're going to jump right into it. We got Rick Nash. He is on the trading block, apparently. The Rangers announced that they are going to be Sellers at the deadline, Rick Nash included. Uh, Alex Burrows has accepted a 10-game suspension for uh, for his play on Taylor Hall, and we'll get into how we feel about that. And Mike Fisher, Predators center or former Predators center, is coming out of retirement to return to play with the team. We got all that for you and more today on the show, so stay with us. It's going to be very exciting. We're going to start with Alex Burrows. Receiving that 10-game suspension for a knee on Taylor Hall, maybe for even a little bit more than just the knee. But what basically what happened is Taylor Hall steamrolled Alex Burrows uh, in the corner, near the corner boards, earlier in the play. Uh, Burrows took exception to it, gave him a couple cross-checks. The play goes on, and eventually the goalie covers the puck, Another Senators teammate of Burroughs comes after Hall a little bit. And then Burroughs notices. You can just see his eyes line up. He's like, oh, oh, Hall's under attack now. So he just swarms in, takes him down, actually throws a couple punches at Hall while he's on the ground with his gloves on. And then he's on top of him. His head is right under his legs. So he throws a couple of knees at the head of Taylor Hall. Katie Harper, what do you think about the play and what do you think about the suspension uh, for Alex Burrows? I think it was a really dirty play, <clears throat> so I do think he should have been suspended. I mean, he's been in the league for over a decade. He should know by now that you can't really knee people in the head when you get mad at them. And he did try and say that he wasn't trying to knee him, that he was just trying to get his arm out from underneath his body, which I don't think I'm buying that. That's a little bit extreme. And to me... He's only had one other suspension in his career. And so some people are on the side that maybe it's too much for only a second time, especially after a decade in the league. But in my opinion, now with everything that's coming out about head injuries, I think the NHL looked at it, and when they saw that it was he was kneeing Taylor Hall in the head, it's like, hold up. You can't do that. And I think that's kind of why the suspension is on the – longer side in this case. Mm-hmm. So are you do you think 10 games is is enough or too much? What do you think about? I think it's a, I think it's about right. I think mm-hmm. it's good. I, I think if it's any other player, especially a player with more history, he's going to get more yeah. games honestly. I think it definitely could have been 15 games. Uh, I would not have opposed to it being 15 games, but at the same time like you said, not too much of a history for him, so only, only gets 10 games. I say only. It's still a firm suspension. I'm glad that the NHL came down with double-digit games. So it was an unfortunate play. I think it was a very dirty play. Absolutely. I don't buy his excuse either that he was just trying to get free. It seemed like deliberate knees to me. And I think also another key thing to look at is he threw punches at Hall Yeah. while he was on the ground. You, even in a fight, when you take someone to the ground, you got to stop throwing punches or that's definitely considered a dirty play. So I think a combination of various things. Cross-checked him a couple times before as well. So I think it was just the whole sequence especially, uh, not just necessarily the knee that led to it being a 10-game suspension. 
So that's big news in the NHL. A lot of people are are getting on Burroughs. Uh, you know, we've had a lot of targets in the league so far uh, this season with Zach Ronaldo having a dirty play earlier in the in the season. Uh, Brad Marchand, people always love to hate him. He's been a little bit of controversial plays around him. So Burroughs is just the most recent of of a long string of players. So I think that overall the NHL handled this one better than they have most plays. Uh Going to some more big news in the league right now is Mike Fisher is coming back, coming out of retirement, pulling a Brett Favre, (laughs) and going to return with the Predators this season. What do you think his return, what kind of impact can that have for this team, Katie? So last season and and a lot of his previous seasons, he has played a decent sized role on the offensive front and scoring however I don't think he's going to bring that necessarily in his return I think he'll be more of a leadership present with presence with this team I still expect him to score some goals but after being out for more than half a season I just don't see it happening where he's going to be scoring a lot so I think the big thing with this team is they're actually they're a pretty young team and I think someone like him will really bring that leadership experience and he's been in the playoff situation before and I think that will really help a team that doesn't have as much experience in the long postseason run of course they did have the one last year but they still need more absolutely and yeah I agree with you. Not, I don't think he'll light up the scoreboard necessarily. He had 42 points uh, last season, so pretty solid. Only 23 the year before that, though. But he's just a solid player. He, he You're not going to expect a guy like that to make the big mistake uh, to cost your team, especially uh, up the middle in the center position. That's huge. And this team is already – that's – I mean, obviously they have a just a rock – a brick wall on defense with some of those guys that they have. But that's really one of their biggest strengths as well is they're really strong up the middle. They got Ryan Johansson, Kyle Turris, Nick Bonino came over from from the Penguins for this team. Uh, Cal Yarncroft can play center as well as wing, and he's having a good season. So Mike Fisher is only going to shore up uh, this team up the middle. That's, again, that's, that's the most important area for a team to be strong in, in my opinion, is if you have – four centers across the roster that can play, put up points, play on both sides of the puck, then that's absolutely huge. So we know what this team can do on defense. They have some great goaltenders. Do you think that they have the firepower offensively to make it back to another Stanley Cup final? And do you think this team – this was one of the teams last year that I did not expect – uh, once they made the cup final, I did not expect them to follow that up how they have. So do you think this team can make it back to the promised land? It's hard. Oh. They have, in any other years, I would say they have the firepower and the de- defense and the goaltending to get to the Stanley Cup final again. But you can't forget in this Western Conference with Vegas. And it's just so hard to pick against them right now. That being said, a lot of them don't have that playoff experience in Vegas, so maybe that could be the upper hand for Nashville. Um, I I do think they have what it takes to get there. It's just, is it going to match up with some of the strong teams that are out west right now? And that's where I'm not 100% sure. Absolutely. Vegas is definitely a threat. I think, to me, 
it's it's really hard to pick against them, and I, they can easily see them making the cup final. But I think there's going to be a lot of pressure on them. For, uh, it's first-year expansion team, which you would think, it's like, oh, they don't have anything to lose. Like, they've already proven anything they needed to prove. But it's just such a huge story that everyone, even people that never watched hockey before, are going to be paying attention to this team. And I think it's going to be too much for them, honestly. I'm not sure they're going to be able to make it there. When it, the Jets are a team to keep an eye on. The Blues are teams to keep an eye on in the Western Conference. So, the Western Conference is just going to be fun. It's going to be very. Sure. There's a lot of. I could see there. I could go through the list of the playoff, like the playoff teams right now, and just be like, well, I could make a case for him that team being in the final. Absolutely, and it seems like a lot of them just put up so many goals. Not necessarily this Predators team, but the Jets, high flying offense, the Blues, especially before Schwartz went down. But now that he's back, they have a lot of firepower as well. The Stars have a great young offense, so that will be interesting to see. Uh, it'll be It's going to be the wild, wild west for sure, especially uh, coming into that Stanley Cup final, so it'll be really fun, really, really fun to watch that play out. And not only do they have a very strong defense, and they're strong up the middle, they've got a great combination of goaltenders with Pecorine and UC Saros, who has had a phenomenal season as Rene's backup. Rene is getting up there in age, 35 years old. So if anything happens to happen to him in the postseason, he will have a really strong backup in Saros that I think has the ability to to handle playoff run. This season, 15 games played, 2-4-3 goals against, 9-2-4 save percentage. That is... One of the best backup goaltenders you're going to see in the league right now. And I think they're going to hold on to him, uh, especially with Pecorine's age and the potential for something to happen to him come playoff time. And speaking of, of the Predators, they are a player right now for for a big target before the deadline. That's Rick Nash. The Rangers have proclaimed themselves as sellers at the deadline, and Nash is going to be one of the players they're shopping. I'm hearing the price is pretty high right now, but the Preds, the Stars are places he would not mind going. Maybe even the Jackets, uh, or maybe a return to Columbus for Rick Nash. So what do you think uh, is the best destination for Rick Nash? The maybe consider the highest need, what team needs him the most out of maybe these three teams, and maybe what is the best place for Rick Nash to thrive? Uh, well, he's definitely someone that probably wants to go to a contender, and if he has a say, I think he would be more leaning towards uh, Nashville, maybe Dallas. I think Columbus is hard. While they're probably not going to be as much of a contender as like uh, Dallas and Nashville, yeah, the return home factor right. is in there. And right. Uh, I would almost want to see him go to Dallas because it's such a young team that someone like him bringing in the age factor, and like we talked about with Mike Fisher, bringing in this experience with him, I think that will benefit Dallas tremendously because I just I, they're young. They really are. And they do have – some experience. I mean, you have someone like Sagan who, while young, has right. a Stanley Cup under his belt, which is nice. But I think bringing in someone a little bit older, a little more experienced, like Rick Nash, could really help out Dallas. Absolutely. They mentioned them earlier. They have that high-flying offense. they got guys with a lot of speed. 
You look all the way down the lineup. Even somebody like Remy Ellie has been really fun to watch. Only 23. He's got a lot of speed, got a lot of skill. But again, that top line is absolutely unreal. Alexander Radulov having one of his best seasons. Tyler Sagan, Jamie Benn have been incredible as always. But there's definitely some, you know, they're, they're a young, scrappy bunch. There's some room for a guy like Rick Nash I think would fit in very well. Um, on this on this roster, uh, and especially going to the Predators, talked about them. They're so strong up the middle, great defense, great goaltending. That's one of the only things that they could improve on is is their wing, their wingers. Um, so plugging Rick Nash into that lineup would be deadly, I think. And then again, you got the return factor for the Blue Jackets, but they could. That's what they need. They need. A little bit more consistent scoring. This season, Rick Nash, though, only 16 goals, 10 assists in uh, 54 games. So, not even half point per game. What do you think, which one of these destinations gives him the best chance to thrive, do you think? Uh, I, mm, I don't know. I, I'm so stuck on him. I want him to go to... Uh, Dallas just because I think it would be fun but mm-hmm. like can you imagine him on a, like like having some of the firepower that Columbus has because Columbus does have some scorers in their they do they do throwing him into the mix may help him out in the sense that he, his production could go up a little bit more um so I don't know it'll be interesting to see I I am gonna stick I want to see him in Dallas just because I'm uh I'm not even biased towards that. I just want to see it happen. But then again, like, Thurman Columbus, and I'm not saying he... Put him on a line with, like, Artemi Panarin, and he's bound to get Mm. points. Exactly. So, if you want to see him specifically thrive, yeah, probably Columbus, because you have more... Like, you have someone like Artemi Panarin that can just help Mm. you get points, because he's going to score left and right. Exactly. It'll be... It depends on because Rick Nash has has been that guy in the past where he's mm-hmm. the guy that teams rely on to be the star. So it depends at this point in his career if he wants to shoulder that load or if he wants to come into a team that is already that he doesn't need to be the guy that scores a point every night. Um, if if he's ready to take on the role of of being the guy that's on the number one line. He would be with Artemi Panarin, I think, on that top line in Columbus. And that would be fun to watch. And I think those two guys would really have to carry this team, though, because they have Cam Atkinson. They got Brandon Dubinsky's just coming back from injury. But Atkinson's had an off year. Uh, Dubinsky, again, had coming back from that long injury. It's just a lot of the guys that they normally count on to produce have not had quite the year. I think. Again, I talked about those strong centers in Nashville. I think that would be a great spot for him to go. Obviously, they're just so good. And I think that pushes them to a team that is my favorite out of the Western Conference if they're able to get a guy like Rick Nash, a winger like that. When Philip Forsberg comes back, it's game over. Uh, And that would be absolutely unreal. But again, Predators, they have seven seven 30-plus point scorers. So he's not going to need to be a guy that's putting up points like that all the time. Stars, four guys with 49-plus points. He's not going to need to be the guy in Dallas. But the Jackets, only two guys with 30-plus points, which is very surprising. So he would have to be 
he would have to improve his play off the pace that he has put up so far this season. So you got the return home factor. I think Nash wants to be the guy. I think he loves that attention. So it's really hard to say. If he wants to win, I'd say the Predators. If he wants to go to a place that has more potential to win in the future, I would say Dallas. And if he wants to go to a place where he's going to be getting more shine and more love, especially with the fact that he's played there before, it would be Columbus. So different factors leading to any three of those destinations. And it'll be fun to keep an eye on that. Rangers, again, like I said, proclaim themselves as sellers. There could be other guys being shopped. Ryan McDonough, Matt Zuccarello. And Ryan McDonough is going to be the most interesting to watch because there's been a lot of teams this season that have shown that they are in need of a defenseman. The Islanders being one of those teams, I think. The Maple Leafs being one of those teams for sure. Uh, Possibly even the Washington Capitals if they want to make a move before the deadline to bolster their lineup a little bit. What do you think is uh, the best destination for Ryan McDonough, Katie? Um, I'm going to say the Maple Leafs because they have had that. We've talked about it a couple weeks ago where they do have that problem of finishing out games where they have the firepower on the offensive front. But once it gets back to defense, they just falter and then they end up losing games because Frederick Anderson can't do everything in goal. And so I think someone like uh, McDonough could really bring the uh, defense up a bit. It's eight. He has the age factor where it's like he's in that good age to be a leader especially with a team that's, I think, I could, I would almost say, like, average age is, like, what, 22 or something? Like, they're really young. So someone like him would really help out the Maple Leafs, and they also are a team that has the most, I think, I don't want to say disposable players, but they have the most that they could give up to get McDonough into the Maple Leafs. Yeah, they they got a lot of firepower that they, even if they give up a guy like Van Riemsdyk or Tyler Bozak, the, I don't. Yeah, it's not going to be too much of a blow to I, them. No, I don't think so. I don't think it would hurt them that badly. So I think that makes a lot of sense. I think there's really just two teams that it would make a lot of sense for this deal to happen. Maple Leafs definitely being one of them, and I think that that would make the biggest difference. I think if McDonough goes to the Maple Leafs, that is going to make them so much better. It's going to be unreal. Uh, also, the Islanders, it, it makes a lot of sense for them to try to make a move for – a defenseman like McDonough, it's to me no question that they need to make a move. My Islanders buddy says it's not going to happen because they are stupid and front office never tries to make waves like this before the deadline, but I think if they have any chance of even making the playoffs, it's a shame to say because I think they have, honestly, I'm, I would say they have the very best offense in the entire league, but Right now, at the, at the with the team that they have, I don't even think they make the playoffs because they're barely in playoff contention right now. Right, they're still. I'm, I think they're out of a wild card spot. Oh, I think the Jackets thought, are in the second wild card spot in the East, but that's not. I'm not certain on that because they night. lost to the Sabers last night. Yeah, I know, but I still checked, and then I think they were still like one point above or something. Maybe I did not check late enough. Let's oh, yeah, no, I did not check late enough. They are, well, they're they have tied with Columbus. Columbus has the extra but Columbus, win. Yeah, Columbus has two games in hand, so so they're, they're tied with Columbus in points right now, but they've played two more games, and 
I don't see it happening. I don't see them making that step up unless they make something happen like a McDonough trade. The Islanders lost to the Sabres last night, 4-3. to three. And get this, the four games prior to that game, they allowed 40, 50, 49, and 47 shots in the four games before that Sabres game, which is uncanny. I mean, you know, I, that's insane. I, I see one night where a team allows 50 shots, and I'm like, wow, that's, well, that was a bad night for them. They, <laughs> did, it three, back they back. did it three nights in a row, essentially, for 50, 49, 47. So this, this Sabres game, again, they lost 4-3. to three. They only allowed 22 shots, and they still lost. They still let in four goals. So it's like when it's not their defense shooting themselves in the foot, it's their goaltending. So it, it's... It, with with how bad their defense is and with how bad their goaltending is, there's no chance. I mean, the Yaroslav Halak's been known to be streaky. He can get super hot at times, but even when he's getting super hot, it seems like every other night they're allowing 50 shots. So it's like you can't – like what are you going to do? Yeah, I mean their goaltending situation this year has been – I don't want to say laughable, but it's, it's been kind of laughable. It's a mess. Both of them are averaging uh, over three goals per game. Uh Thomas Grease is almost at four goals a game. Like, that's not good. Um, that's unheard of. And then Halak has only a .908 percentage. Grease is a .887. And then I was looking at that. Neither of them have a shutout this year. Yeah. And at least, like, most goalies tend to grab one shutout yeah, a year. One, one or right? two. Right. None. But it's when Halak has, because Halak can have those amazing games. And he has had a couple of great games this season. But when he does, the Islanders are letting up 45 shots. <laughs> so even if you get, even if you let in two goals, only, you know, one or two goals, you, you got to make 44 saves to do that. So it's it's just not a good situation for them. But if they get McDonough, I think that makes a huge difference. To me... They need to either go after a defenseman like McDonough, like a big-time defenseman. Mike Green will not get it done. So, got to go after him, or you got to go after a goaltender. And to me, I think that their best option is to go with McDonough. Instead of a goaltender like UC Soros, Phil Grubauer, a guy like that who's been a solid, really good backup and would definitely be an upgrade for the Islanders. But I think that McDonough would be a better option do you think it's better for them to go for go after a goaltender like that, or do you think it would be better to go after a big-time defenseman? I would almost say it's better to go after a goaltender in this case just because you don't want – if you do end up making the playoffs, you don't want someone like Halak who's going to be streaky and sent in, like, parts. And you want someone that you can rely on when your defenders have an off night. Because while, yes, their defense isn't great, there is – I feel like a little bit more potential in their defense than there is in their current goaltending situation. So I think it would be best for them to improve their goaltending situation for not only this year, but possibly going into next season too. I think that's a fair point for, especially for the future. Um, a young one, especially a guy like Grubauer is young and yeah. he's played really well. That would help him a lot out in the future. But I think for this season, if you want to capitalize on the offense that you have right now, especially because who knows what's going to happen to John Tavares in the future, if he's going to stay there, um, I think what gives you the best chance to to win now, and it's a Stanley Cup offense that they have. It's just so there's just nothing going on there in the back end. If you get a guy like McDonough, you shore up that defense a little bit, then you have to you're taking a complete gamble 
which is why it's not necessarily a sure thing, but you're taking a gamble that Halak gets hot in the playoffs, which has happened in the past. He's had good playoff performances in the past. So I think you just have to take a chance, go out and get McDonough, and just hope and pray and cross your fingers that Halak can do something in the playoffs. And that, I think, gives them the best chance to win right now. For the future, yes, I think getting a guy like Grubauer would be very smart for them. And especially since even if you get a guy like McDonough, your chances are not that high of winning. I just think it makes him slightly higher to capitalize on the offense they have right now. But again, Sabres topping the Islanders last night, 4-3. to three. Other action from last night, the Flames down the Devils, 3-2. to two. That makes it three in a row now for Calgary. And it's been a, it's literally been a roller coaster ride for this team. Up, down, up, down, up, down. It never stops. Seven wins in a row for this team. Not too long ago, just less than ten games ago, they had a seven-game win streak going. Then they they reached the top slowly on that on that escalator, and they reached the peak, and then it's just a massive drop with six losses in a row. And now they have they're starting a new ascent, going back up. And it's three wins right now for Calgary, so it's just been absolutely ridiculous for them. And it's been the exact same thing with the Devils, but just in opposite sequence. Four losses in a row. Uh, just five games ago, they were on a four-game four loss streak. Then three wins in a row, and now they are at two losses in a row after this loss to Calgary. What do you think about these two teams? Do you think it's possible for them to find any consistency and, and and find some footing or do you not trust these teams what's your opinion Katie I do not trust these two teams I will say I trust if I have to go I probably trust Calgary a little bit more just because New Jersey does have that youth to them um but Calgary yeah I don't I still don't trust them enough I don't think either one will make a long playoff run I think they both will get there but then they'll kind of just falter out um I don't know, but at the same time, Calgary, if they hit those, they hit a hot streak again right at the playoffs, maybe it does carry them as long as it did in January, and we'll see. But, yeah, not the – I would not put my trust in them right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I don't trust either of these teams either, and I think it's going to come down to the wire for both of these teams in terms of just making the playoffs – New Jersey got themselves back up into that top three in the Metro with the win streak, with that three-game win streak they had, uh, but only four points, um, only one point. The Flyers are only one point away from getting into that top three and bumping New Jersey down to a wild card. And then you got the Islanders, who, like I said, if they make a move, you never know what could happen with them. Calgary, even more... On, on the on the dangerous side, with only they're only one point, uh, the Kings are out of a playoff spot, but they're only one point behind Calgary, so they could be out of the playoffs like that and hunting for a wild card spot um, at the turn of a dime. So it's going to be interesting. I don't trust either of these teams. Uh, I think again, it's possible for them to both make the playoffs. I think it's a good chance they both do, but with New Jersey, it's the youth, absolutely. They don't. They they yeah. without a doubt don't have what it takes to make a run in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And with Calgary, for me, it's that reliance on Goudreau and Monahan. I think they they do it all for this team. Mm-hmm. They've been great. You can't knock them. But that's that's really 
that's really, I don't want to say it's all they got going for them, but that's most of what they got going for them. They had a hot goaltender for quite some time as well. So, again, this is, the streakiness of these teams has been crazy, and I don't, I don't see them either having a whole lot of postseason success. Coyotes, Katie's favorite team, second favorite team. <laughs> Not really, but <laughs> I was about to be like, wait, I have a game to talk about. I need to advocate for the Coyotes. Um, yes, they're not my favorite team. They're not my favorite team in the West, but I feel the need to defend them every single day of my life because of how young they are. And, oh, I'm so proud of them. <laughs> Last night was amazing. They were down 3 nothing, and they came back and won 4-3 in overtime. That's unreal. They scored with 18 seconds to go in the game to tie it. Like, oh, man. Talk about resilience. Shout out to Nick Cousins with that last second goal. That's and then huge. Clayton Keller finally getting his points again in overtime. So proud of them. That's big time. It's huge. They're and making their comeback. It's starting now. <laughs> Watch out, Western <laughs> Conference. Calgary's, Calgary's going to get replaced by Arizona. It's just going to happen. Um, so, not only is it a, a big win for the Coyotes just to get you know some confidence and uh, you know have something to hang their hat on at the end of the day, but big, it's a big loss for Minnesota yeah. as well. It's a, yeah, it's exciting for them. Because, well, not they're Minnesota. playing spoiler. It probably sucked for Minnesota, but like right. Coyotes, they get the win like that against a good team. Right, exactly. And they, it, it, it's a big, you know, the Wilds still pick up a point, but like I said, the Kings at 63 points are knocking on the door for a wild card spot. And Minnesota is that team in the West that's on the, in that second wild card spot. 64 points, only one ahead of Los Angeles. And Los Angeles is not the kind of team that you want to be playing around with when it comes toward, uh, toward springtime. So. That was a huge loss for the. It would be huge for them to have a two point cushion, um, but they don't get it last night. The Yotes again playing spoiler. A lot of resiliency from that team, especially when they don't really have a whole lot to play for besides just getting a win for whatever reason. Just you know, just we'll just why take, not? We'll take one. Let's, yeah, they they just kind of want to kill other people's dreams right now. Exactly, exactly. Playing spoiler, so. Colorado also 62 points, and the team to watch for me in the West is is the Ducks at 62 points. They've had a lot of injury problems this season, but again, they've had their core back for quite some time now, and they're making a little bit of a surge. They're 6-3-1 in their last 10, so I think that the Ducks and the Kings are both going to be on Minnesota's heels for the rest of the season, and I actually expect one of them to make it in over Minnesota. Uh, So this point would have been huge for them. And that's uh, that's going to do it for um, from notable action from last night. Uh, we'll preview a few games for you tonight. We got the Capitals at home against the Blue Jackets. It's the second leg of a home and home between these two teams. The Caps won in Columbus. What do you see happening in Washington tonight, Katie? Uh, Caps won again. You can get Caps. it done in Columbus. I will actually pick the Caps. I like to pick against them just because I have a lot of friends that are Caps fans. But I will give it to them. I think they're going to win tonight. And I think it will be a fun game to watch because both teams have some fun players to watch. But I don't think Columbus has the firepower that Washington does. Absolutely. C-A-P-S, Caps, 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 taking Washington. Uh, and I'm going to take the over at home. Caps like to score goals, so I'm going to say high-scoring affair with Caps coming out on top. Talked a lot about the Islanders just now. They are on the second half of a back-to-back at home against the Red Wings. 
What do you think is going to happen there? I will say, I think they know they need to win this game just to kind of get on a better path than what they are. They're, as we said earlier, they're behind in the playoff race right now just because they have more goal, or they have games at hand, or well, not games at hand, but but Detroit has been so hard to predict about what it, what Detroit team is going to show up. They, I remember they played the Blackhawks. They kicked the living crap out of the Blackhawks, and the next time they played, Blackhawks beat them pretty handily. And so it's, it almost depends on which Detroit team shows up for me. I will give it to New York just because it's at home, but I would not be surprised if Detroit comes in there and wins. Absolutely. Great point. The Wings have been very up and down, very inconsistent with their play. Islanders on the back end of a back-to-back. They played last night, so that's a factor. Um, but I'm still feeling the Islanders because they just absolutely laid an egg last night in such an important game for them. Like I said, tied with Columbus for that second wild card spot. So I think they get their act together tonight, and I think they could even put up six goals on this Red Wings team. I'm taking the Islanders in the over all day. Probably going to bet on that myself, so I stamped that pick. Trust me. Uh, bet on them last night, and I actually bet the over and the Islanders, so came out with a 50-50 split. I uh, didn't parlay it. Just took separate bets. My buddy, when the, when the Islanders were down 2 to nothing last night, my my roommate took the Islanders, put 50 bucks on them to win in regulation when they were down 2. And... That was he put fifty on it to win four hundred and fifty dollars. Do you think anybody put a bet on Arizona to come back last night? Doubtful. But if they did, <laughs> they're if they, probably walking away feeling real good put right 50 now. Dollars on that, he probably would have won at least a thousand. But he put fifty on that to win four fifty, and they tie it up three three with like five minutes left, and then they just give up a stinker of a goal of the Sabres. He was so mad; it was hilarious. But yeah, again, I'm taking Isles in the over against the Red Wings. Uh, just mentioned the Flames. They're going on the road to take on the Rangers, who are limping towards the end of the season. Uh, but they got a home matchup. Streaky team. Maybe the wrong side of a streaky team right now, but who do you got in that one, Katie? I'm going to go Calgary, just because they are kind of seeming like the hot Calgary Flames again. So I'm going to go them. I think Goudreau and Moynihan will both have some have a good game, and I think that will carry them to the win over New York, which you said, is just struggling right now to get to the end of the season. For some reason, my gut's telling me Rangers in this one, just because how streaky the Flames have been, seven wins, six losses, three wins. I don't know if – will they follow it up with another win or will this be the start of, an, of, a, of a little bit of a loss streak? I'm going to take the Rangers at home. Don't ask me why, <laughs> but I'm doing it. Uh, so I'm going to take Rangers and I'm going to take the under – I don't think that the big boys in Calgary have a big game tonight, and the Rangers don't have a whole lot of firepower. I think it's going to be a struggle, maybe 3-1 game for the Rangers with an empty netter as well. Panthers at home against the Kings. Uh, who do you got in this one, Katie? I, you know what I mean? I, it's hard to predict either of these teams as well, yeah, honestly. I know. Florida's been interesting this year with just how to predict them. Um, I'll give it to Los Angeles just because I think they have a little bit more to play for right now. And with that experience they have in their lineup, they know it, that they need to start producing and playing well to get in a playoff position. Right. It's about that time for the Kings to get hot. Uh, seems like it happens it, most every year that they that they really start playing well come springtime. 
And like you said, Panthers don't have a whole lot to play for. They're pretty much the 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 floor of I think anybody Florida and below in the standings right now is out of it. Uh, it might even say the Rangers, but I think they still have an off chance if they can play to how they were when they had a sh- little bit of a streak going earlier in the season. But I'm going to go with the Kings. I'm going to take the over. Panthers have so- the pa- this Panthers team, guys, is fun to watch. Even though they might not be the best team in the league, they got a trio of forwards there that are really young and really exciting. So I think it's a high-scoring affair. I think the Kings' veteran leadership uh, gives them the win in the end. Hurricanes taking on the Canucks. Bit of a snoozer there. Uh, Carolinas, they've got something to play for, for sure. Only one point out of that wild-card race, but they've they've been an awfully hard team to predict as well with, with what kind of team is going to show up there. Who do you got in that one? Um, well, I'm actually really bitter with Carolina right now because they put Marcus Kruger on waivers yesterday, so... For that reason solely, I'm going to go with Vancouver just because I'd rather see Vancouver win. The Coup. <laughs> uh, I'm going to take. Do I wait? But like, do I actually think Vancouver's going to win? No. The Coup. Nah, give it to <laughs> give it to Vancouver. You know they they could pull it off. No, I'm not going to give it to Vancouver at home. <laughs> I'll give it to I'll give it to Carolina at home. They they got something to play for for sure. They they could be in the wild card spot when it's all said and done tonight in the East. So because of that, I'll give it to them. And here's a finally a real fun matchup. Jets hosting the Blues tonight in Winnipeg. This is definitely going to be the game to watch tonight. It's going to be high-flying, a lot of offense, a lot of big names. Who do you got in this one, Katie? I do think there's going to be a lot of offense, but with the goaltending situation for both teams, I think it's going to be a little bit more low scoring. And I think it's going to be very, very evenly matched. But... I'm going to do the typical go with the home team. I'm going to go with Winnipeg because I think they have some great firepower on offense and they have one of like the strongest goalies that we've seen this season. Absolutely. This one's tough for me. I think I'm going to go St. Louis. Carter Hutton's been outstanding for this team. I mean, Hellebuck, you, you can say so much about him for Winnipeg as well, but Carter Hutton's done some special things for St. Louis. Uh, they're, they've done they've done well lately, 7-3-0 in their last 10, uh, coming off a win in their last game. So I'm going to take St. Louis in this one, and I think over-under is going to be tough because, like we say, these goaltenders have been great, but these offenses I think are just going to be a little bit too much, and I'm going to take the over and St. Louis on the road in this one. Star, Another fun matchup here, Stars hosting the Penguins. Um, Dallas talked about them a lot on the show today. They've got young firepower. Penguins, on the other hand, got a lot of guys that have been around for a while but are just still lighting it up, and they are pretty hot, um, are they, in Pittsburgh. So who do you have in this interesting matchup? Well, so I found out that one of my old high school teachers listens to this podcast because – my mom showed it to him, and he's a huge Penguins fan, and he tried to get me to be a Penguins fan. Yeah, right. But I come from a family that, for the most part, the ones that do watch hockey watch the Flyers, so I knew I'd be disowned. <laughs> and I've learned to not like Pittsburgh. So for that reason alone, and especially if he's listening right now, I'm going with Dallas. Yes, we can agree on that. Pittsburgh sucks. I hope you're <laughs> listening uh, Penguins fan out there. Mr. Um, Kuzma, if you're listening. Mr. Kuzma. Dallas. 
I'm going with Dallas as well. Uh, it's hard to pick against Pittsburgh lately. They've been playing very well uh, in this in this last stretch of 15 or so games. But Dallas is at home though, and they're on a four game win streak as well. They are also hot. Um, definitely, this is my lock pick for the day. Is going to be the over in this game. I think it's going to be a very high scoring yeah. affair, and I'm taking Dallas for sure. And last game of the night, it's going to close it off with a with a ten o'clock capper. Ducks hosting the Oilers. I got the Ducks in this one. I've been high on the Ducks ever since they've gotten healthy. Uh, they still have room to improve, I think. What do you think is going to happen in this one? Uh, this is going to be my upset game. I'm going with Edmonton because I think Connor McDavid is about to have a night. McJesus. <laughs> uh, That's my only reason. I just, no. I'm just going McDavid. It's not even picking the Oilers. I'm picking McDavid I, right now. I can never... I can never knock somebody for for anticipating McDavid to have uh, a highlight reel night. So, very well could happen. Uh, I'm liking the over a lot today, so I'm going to just keep rolling with that and take the over in the Ducks at home. But watch out for McJesus because he can make plays. That's, watch out for him every night, oh, even yeah. though the team is not great. Absolutely. And that's going to wrap it up for us today on Outside the Glass. That's going to wrap up the picks and the show. Thank you for sticking with us on your Friday afternoon or whenever you're listening. And have a great rest of your day.